Our scripture this evening comes from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verse 4, I mean, verse 18. Luke 4 and 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me, sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, God, we come at this hour of the evening in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we come this, this evening, Lord God, just to say thank you. Oh God, thank you for allowing us to come. Thank you, dear God, for the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, God, that he came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Oh God, we remember that he told his disciples, God, to tarry here until you are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, and we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here right now in each and every one of us. God, we thank you for this service, oh God. We thank you, dear God, for this, the, these messengers, dear God. We thank you for the messages that have gone on all month, every Wednesday night. God, we thank you for the vision, oh God. God, we thank you for our pastor, oh God. Lord, for receiving what had been given, oh God, by his wife, dear God. We thank you for anointing these preachers, oh God, every Wednesday night to go deep into your word, dear God to go back to the prophets, dear God, and preach what they preached, oh God, at a time, dear God, that's just as the times when they preached. Oh God, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you that the same, you're the same God right now that you were then. God, we thank you for those who have come out tonight. Oh God, we pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit will just fall upon each and every one of us. Oh, God, especially if there's one that has not accepted the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. Oh, God, we bless your name tonight. Oh, God, well, you've been so good to us. Oh, God, we just can't thank you enough. And, God, we pray that as uh, Minister Claudia and Minister Rodney come forth here, God, you will allow them, God, to just forget about themselves. Just allow them to lose themselves, oh God, in your word. Just drench them with the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. God, we, we need you, God. 
Oh, God, the world needs you, God. We need you like we've never needed you before, God. And we thank you that you have sent the remedy, oh, God, for each and every need. Oh, God, and it's your word. It's your word. And, God, we thank you. Oh, we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. We are eagerly waiting to receive what you have to say. Have your way, God. Have thine own way, God. We are the potter, you're the clay. Use us, use them, oh God, in a mighty way this evening. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, our living Christ that we pray. Amen. And thank God. Amen. Good evening. Over the last three weeks, we have been blessed with fresh fire from the associate ministers of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Every Wednesday this month, they have drawn from the biblical prophets of the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament or the New Testament's prophetic witness about Jesus of Nazareth to proclaim a prophetic word for the perilous times in which we live. From Habakkuk's rejoicing, which erupts even though the fig trees don't blossom and there are no herds in the stall, to Jesus' radical teachings of the Lord's Prayer that seeks to set the world right side up. Prophetic preaching envisions a world where God's goodness and mercy reigns regardless of the forces that seek to thwart or diminish divine purpose. From Amos's admonition to let justice roll, to Matthew's imperative to share the gospel with all people, to Paul's em emphatic declaration that we live and move and have our being in Christ. Prophetic preaching envisions a world where the called out, that's the church, y'all, acts like it's the church and leaves the walls of this building to reveal God's love in all places and embody the selfless, sacrificial love of Jesus. And so on tonight, our last two preachers, Minister Claudia Hall and Minister Rodney Johnson, will come in their own way and in their own authentic voices under the unction of the Holy Spirit to bring fresh fire preaching prophetic sermons for our current perilous times. We ask that you would pray with them and pray for them as they declare what thus saith the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we would ask that you would stand one more time for our hymn of preparation, which is I Need Thee Every Hour. Shut 
like thine can peace Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to stand here tonight, Lord. Thank you for giving me health and strength to stand tonight, Lord. Thank you for allowing the opportunity to get here this Wednesday. I don't take it for granted. Because last Wednesday, my street was flooded. That's why I didn't get here. But Father, I just thank you for making a way this, this week. And I thank you for the words you've given me. I ask you, Lord, that you just use me for your service, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Help me decrease and help the God in me increase so that the God in me will increase. And Father, when it's all said and done, open hearts, open ears to receive what thus says the Lord. And we'll be so very careful to give you all the praise all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, Shiloh. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To my pastor and our pastor, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith, church officials, Reverend Demetrius Smith, Director of Christian Education, all the rest of the associate ministers, church leaders, and all my sisters and brothers in Christ. It is an honor to stand before you tonight for the final night of the Fresh Fire Prophetic Preaching Series here at Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And I want you to know I feel very privileged to be here tonight and that there is a word from the Lord that can be found in 
the fourth chapter of the second book of Kings, verses 1 through 7. And I'll be reading from the message version. One day, the wife of a man from the Guild of Prophets called out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was, devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. Elisha said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Well, I do have a little oil. Here's what you do, said Elisha. Go up and down the street and borrow jugs and bowls from all your neighbors. And not just a few, all you can get. Then come home and lock the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into each container. When each is full, set it aside. She did what he said. She locked the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the containers to her, she filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of her sons, another jug, please. He said, that's it. There are no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the story to the man of God. He said, go, sell the oil and make good on your debts. Live both you and your sons on what's left. Amen. I would like to speak on the subject, where is your faith? Where is your faith? This topic presents a very challenging question, and it is one that each of us would do well to ponder over. In this day and time, we, when we look around, everything is going on in our that everything that's going on in our local community and nation and across the globe. It seems like everything is in utter chaos. You've got mass incarceration of blacks in general, but black males in particular, and black males in Louisiana. We've got escalating teen suicides among black males here in Baton Rouge. We got black women that are dying at, uh, from heart disease and uh, cancer and uh, black men. We are dying at twice the, the rate of our white counterparts. And our babies are dying at two and three the rate. We are also seeing that the U.S. poverty rates are returning to levels that have not been seen since the 60s. And the economic structure is getting work more and more unstable. Yeah. We need to know where our 
faith really lies. Because we have already gone through the storms, some storms. But I tell you today, there are many storms looming on the horizon, yet to be seen. But if we look to the hills from whence cometh our help, we know, and if we know that all our help comes from the Lord, I believe everything is going to be all right. Amen? God is in control, and we need to remember that, particularly when the going gets tough and you don't know which way to turn, it's good to know who to take your problem to. Mm. Well, I don't know, but this is a familiar scripture to you about this widow woman. If we look at the, the passage of scripture, there are four major characters. We've got the widow woman, we've got her two sons, and we got Elisha. Elisha the prophet. He's known as a miracle-working prophet. He was a student of who? Elisha. Elijah. Elisha was a student of Elijah. But the widow woman's husband, who's recently deceased, was a student of Elisha. Now, we have an issue here. She is going through a major crisis. And do you know we're not a stranger to this? If we just tell the truth about it, Every day, it seems like we're going from one crisis to the next. Or as uh, the pastor, uh, Charles T. Smith, used to say, if you're not going into the crisis, then you're coming out. So we know that we're no stranger to crisis. And I don't believe this woman is either. But one thing about it, this is critical, because she's got a time element here. And the time element is what? She's got to pay these creditors, and she's got to pay them now. And if she's under, she's under the gun, and if she doesn't produce, they're going to put her two sons in jail. They're going to enslave them. What do you do when you got a pressing situation on your hands? What do you do? Where do you turn? Well, I guess it depends on who you are and whose you are and what kind of relationship you have. Well, she had some relationships, no doubt. She had a relationship with her dead husband. He's gone. She can't count on him anymore. She has a relationship with her sons. Evidently, they can't pay that debt. Now, remember, it's customary for widows to be taken care of by the male family members or by their communities. So initially, we're just going to say the, the sons couldn't do anything for them. 
and I don't know what the community was doing for, but how many know in here that you have to know who to take your problem to? <laughs> you can go all the way around Jack's barn, as they say, and tell your problem to everybody. But it's something about telling your problem to the right person. You know, I'm looking at this passage. We can learn a lot from this woman. We can learn a lot from her. Now, she's broke, true enough. She can't pay this big debt that's facing her. But she's got wisdom, and she's got faith from God. Because guess where she runs to? The man of God. The prophet of God. Elisha. He's representing God himself. So when she goes to the prophet, she's going to the Lord with a problem. Yeah. How many of us in here today, when we have a problem, that's the first place we go to? Now, I'm just going to be honest. I haven't always gone to the first, and, and I'm not going to say I do every time. And we don't know if this woman went to God first. We, she probably went to her son's. But in any case, when nothing can be fixed by anybody else, we take it to the master. So she took it to the master. She took it to the master prophet, Elisha. Now, she had some good things going on because one thing is that what? Her husband was a student of Elisha's, a former student. So her Elisha was familiar with her husband. So how many know when you, he was in good standing. This is a man of God. This is not just anybody. This is a man of God. Now somebody else might have said, oh, well, you see, that, that, that old preacher, that prophet left her with a lot of debt. And he was out there preaching and, and, and studying the Bible when he should have been working. But guess what? When you're doing God's work, he'll, make, he'll multiply that a hundredfold. Now, we're going to see it in the scripture. She might have been broke now, but she was going to be rich in a few minutes. Okay. So she took her problem to the right person. And something else we need to remember, she didn't keep it to herself. Sometimes we're ashamed when we have problems. And we don't want to tell the truth about it. And we are suffering in silence. Now, how many know what happens when we are suffering in silence? What does that problem do? It escalates. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Pretty soon, you walk in something like this. You all been over to the point she might not even been able to get to the prophet's house. But she did. Your business, and another thing, we're going to move on. Your business, you, you don't want to tell your business. That's why you don't tell your problem. But how many know, and mama, forgive me, but you ain't got no business. Your business is God's business. Your business is God's business. He knows everything anyway. But he's trying to see, do you have faith to trust him to work it out? 
He's stretching this widow, isn't he? He's stretching her. She's got faith, but he wants to have even more than what she has. So she goes to the prophet. She tells her problem. My husband, my dead husband, you know him, and I'm still grieving. I'm still grieving, but I, the creditors just came, and if, if I don't pay those people, they're going to take my sons. And Elijah said, hmm, well, what, how can I help you? But he doesn't wait for a response. He said, how can I help you? He said, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? That's a good question for us today. <laughs> what are you in need of? What is it you have that you, you are facing right now that you're in need of? And God is saying, it's already in your house. You know, it just kind of reminded me of um, uh, Wizard of Oz, and it told, uh, they told Dorothy, just click your heels. Yeah. Click, click, click. Yeah. And before you know it, yeah. you're there. It's just like with us. God's children, we already got what we need right there in the house. But it is difficult to sometimes see it. So notice when he said, what do you have in your house? She, she, she quickly said what? Nothing. It's just like, like the children asked to say, what do you have to eat? We don't have nothing in the house, nothing. Yeah, you have food, but you want fast food, right? So she said nothing. Then she had to really think about it. She was convicted. She thought about it. Said, I have a little oil. <laughs> little is much when God is in it. She had a little oil. That's all she needed. He said, okay. All right, good. We can work with that. I want you to have you and your sons go up and down the road and collect pots, collect water pots, empty water pots. I want you to borrow. <laughs> I didn't say I want to. Don't beg asking them to give them to you. I want you to borrow them. You see, like Jesus was in a borrowed tomb. He wasn't going to need it. This woman didn't need it. She just needed it for a season. She was going to give them back to her. By the time they, Elisha finished with her, she was going to have enough where she could give all of them some oil in the empty pot they gave her. So he said, listen, listen. This woman did two good things. This is the second thing she did that was wonderful. She not only told her problem to the right person, she also listened and followed instruction. Okay, now somebody can tell you a lot of different things, and you say what? Uh, and I'm guilty of this. I hear you. I hear you. Well, what does the I hear you mean? Well, that means mean different things. But you got to do more than just hear you got to obey. You got to follow. So this woman listened, and then she followed because she and her sons went up and down that road getting all those empty water pots. 
They got so many, they could barely carry them in the house, I would imagine. And, but they, they finally made it back, and all of them were full of water pots, just arms. They got in the door, in the front door, and they did what? What did Elijah say? Cl close the door and lock it. Click up. Do you know it's something about locking the door? You can't, you can't go through that door. Elisha meant for nobody to enter into that house while he was working with them. He was multiplying their resources. He was moving in a miraculous way like he does for us. You see, somebody that says there are no miracles today, that's not true. You got saved, didn't you? That's the first miracle. Hallelujah. It was working behind a closed, locked door. Mm. Now, what was she to do? You take the pot. The son takes turns bringing an empty pot to the mother. The mother's sitting, and then she pours the oil. Now, she just had a little bit, so she probably didn't even think she was going to fill that first pot up, did she? <laughs> she starts pouring, and guess what? It fills to the brim, and she sits that down. And then another son comes to bring another empty pot, and she brings that, and then she pours some more, and then they sit that down. Her eyes get probably, I would imagine, big as this because she's wondering, where is this coming from? And they keep on bringing the empty water pots, and he, she keeps on filling them with the oil from that little bottle that she had of a little bitty oil. And they pour, and they pour, and they pour, and they pour until they get to the last one. He said, would you bring me another one, please? And the son says, no more. It was at that moment that they realized that there was no more oil either. You know, God can, he can provide for your needs and keep that stream flowing for as long as you need that thing to flow. It will blow your mind about how he's doing it, but he said his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He thinks so much higher than us, and his ways are so much higher. So how can we begin to understand what God does for us? We can't understand it. And I'm sure this widow woman didn't care about understanding it. All she wanted to see, she was just amazed. So then she runs to Elisha. Prophet, we did what you said. They're all full of oil. He said, now you take that and you go and you pay that debt. Whatever that man is bothering you about, you pay every penny, and then you live on the rest. Tell me God can't not only bless, he can bless you abundantly above all you could ask or think. That's what he did this widow woman. I don't know about you, but that's something to shout about, isn't it?
Her debt is paid. She was in a financial distress. Now she's in a season of abundance. She doesn't have any worries. She doesn't have any cares. I bet you that woman was feeling so good. She took those water pots that she might have had left on. She was a little generous because one thing you must know, you are blessed to be a blessing. And God will, will work to, he will bring your blessing to and through you. So it's not just for us. It's for everybody around us. That's what it says, the body of Christ. When one suffers, we all suffer. Then when one rejoices, we all rejoice. So we're rejoicing. And I guarantee you she probably went and shared some of that oil and some of her resources. I don't know. I got three things for you to remember. I'll take my seat. Number one, when you are in need, tell the Lord about it. He will fix it in ways you, should, you will never imagine. If you trust and obey God, you'll never be disappointed. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And he will do it sometimes in ways we can't imagine. Just when you think you have almost hit rock bottom, God is waiting to catch you, snatch you, and lift you back up. God sometimes waits until the 11th hour to come to our aid so he can stretch, stretch our faith. And lastly, God may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Mm. Somebody here today, somebody here today right now is maybe going through a crisis and your back is against the wall. You don't know which way to turn. You've been going around and around this thing for a long time. And I'm not talking about just days. I'm not talking about, it might be weeks, it might be months, it might be years, but I've come to tell you that just like God cared, loved, and cared for the widow woman enough to see about meeting her needs? Don't you know you are no less of a person than God that he's able to step in your situation? He's waiting with open arms to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting to fix your problem. He's waiting to come to your need, your financial need. And this seems crazy, but how you get through a financial crisis is what? Giving. The woman had a little oil, and she gave it to the prophet. You give a little bit out of your need and see one, because what he did, he multiplied it. Somebody's waiting today for multiplication. I love God's multiplication. 
You can't understand, and now you could, you could go all up to calculus and don't, and don't understand God's multiplication because <laughs> he knows everything. But I guarantee you, you'll like the result. <laughs> you'll like the result, I guarantee you. Please bring, bring your need. Bring your need, whatever it is. If you need salvation, bring it to Jesus. He's waiting right now for you to come and accept him as your Lord and Savior right now. He said, if you believe that he died for your sin, for my sin, for all the world's sin, and he was raised from the dead, don't you know he's waiting on you? He wants to include you in his household of faith. Won't you come? Won't you come? If you have your Bibles, go with me to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter. I'll be reading verses thirteen and verse fourteen. Scripture reads as follows: If I ever shut off the supply of rain from the skies or order the locusts to eat the crops, or send a plague on my people, and my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying and seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives. I'll be ready for you. I'll listen from heaven forgive their sins and restore their land to health. The grass withered and the flowers thereof faded away, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Uh, pray with me. Gracious God, our Father, um, yet again, God, we come to you um, with humble hearts, thanking you, God, for all the many blessings that you bestowed upon our lives. God, I come now thanking you for another precious preaching moment. I understand this thing is not about me, so decrease me, oh God, as you would increase. Um, your people came here, God, needing a word from you on tonight. Use my head, my heart, oh God, my mouth, my lips, oh God, to preach what thus says the Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable only unto you. You're my strength, oh God, and you will always be my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the A part of that verse 14 um, says, And my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying and seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives. Uh, for the time that's ours to share on tonight, I uh, would like to preach from the topic, do your work. Do your work. 
An accomplished author and inspirational speaker, Ayana Van Zandt, um, who hosts a TV show titled Fix My Life. Um, she helps people from all walks of life with various problems to fix their lives by confronting their problems head on. Um, she consults, she coaches her clients by telling them if, if they seek healing from the pain and turmoil of their past, you must do your work. She explains to her clients that when life moments get too hard to bear, we can and will overcome any problems that we have if we simply do our work. So just as Ms. Vazan expresses to her clients, I come today on this last Wednesday of prophetic preaching for perilous times to encourage us tonight that we too can get through anything if we just do our work. It doesn't matter what's happening in our lives right now. It doesn't matter who wants to stay in or walk out of our lives. It doesn't matter how much money or, or less money we have in our bank accounts. It really doesn't matter what's going on on our jobs or what laws are in place right now. It even doesn't matter who's in the White House. Things will get better if we are committed to doing our work. As we peruse the pericope, we find this story begins in chapter 6. David wanted to build a temple to honor God, but God told David that his son Solomon would be the one to build the temple. And just as God spoke it, it became to pass. Not only did Solomon succeed his dad as king of Israel, he was also successful in building the temple. Once the temple was built, Solomon immediately began to pray to God to dedicate the temple to God, and he asked God to incline your ears to the prayers that are prayed in this temple, and then listen from heaven and grant the request of the prayers made by your people. Let me pause here to say that in order for us to make it through these perilous times, there must be some praying for the people and praying by the people. By chapter 7... Solomon had finished praying to God, and then God showed up and began to move in the temple. Scripture says that the glory of God filled the temple. Let me pause again and say that when God shows up, he will show out. And when he shows out, he do things that only God can, only God can really answer prayers. Only God can give peace in the midst of confusion. Only God can say, let there be, and it will come to pass. In our chosen text, God appeared to Solomon and said, I accept your prayers. And yes, I will choose this place as a temple of sacrifice and a house of worship. Then God said, but listen to me carefully. If I ever shut off the supply of rain or ordered the locusts to eat up the crops or send a plague this way, and you and my people respond by simply doing your work, I am the only one that can turn things around. Charlotte, during these perilous times, we were worried about a lot of things and, and wondering how things are going to turn out. But we fail to remember who is in the ultimate control. So if you allow me to use my spiritual imagination, and let me give you this Rodney Johnson modernized translation of this scripture. In these perilous times, God is saying to us, if I allow a, a Donald Trump to become president of these United States, if I allow health care and food assistance to be taken away from the poor and the marginalized, if I allow you to see police brutality reach an all-time high, and my people who are called by my name do your work by stop complaining and bickering 
That's how we humble ourselves. Spend more time in my word. That's how you seek my face and change your lifestyle. That's how you turn from your wicked ways. I promise to do these three things. First, God promises to be with us. Scripture said that God told Solomon, if you do your work, I'll be there ready for you. One of the greatest benefits of being God's people is that he's always with us. But we have to have faith in God to know that his word will never return to him void. If he said it, then we can rest assured that it will happen. It takes faith to please God, and then he'll reward those who diligently seek him. If we're in the right relationship with him, we know that he's never too far from us. Daniel had faith in God, and God shut up the mouths of the lions and kept him safe. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had faith in God, and he was their company keeping the midst of the fiery furnace. David was faithful to God, and God prepared a table for him in the presence, before him, in the presence of his enemies. Job had faith in God, and no matter what Job went through, he was still able to say, though they slay me, yet would I trust him. So if God was there for Daniel, and he was there for the three Hebrew boys, and he was there for David and Job, we have to know that during these perilous times, he will be there for us too. Soon as the going gets tough, and the tough gets going, we have to turn our face to the only one that is the great I am. My Bible said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill. Where does my help come from? My help coming from the Lord which made the heavens and the earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all thy evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God is a great God, and God is greatly to be praised. And the thought of him being that great the God of him being that great and being by my side leads me to my second point. Not only did he say that he would be with us, but God said that he would get us right. God said, not only would I be there for you, I would also forgive your sins. Church, I don't know about you on tonight. But when I know God has forgiven me of my sins, my life seems right. This emotional load that I'm carrying seems to get a little lighter. When God forgives me, he tosses it into the sea of forgiveness. Of forgetfulness. Isaiah 43 and 25 says, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions and for my own sake, for, for my benefit, remember your sins no more. I'm so glad that God is not like us. When we forgive, it's only temporary. When we forgive, it's only for the moment. It's only until the next time you do us something wrong, and then we're going to bring up everything that you ever did back to us. But God is saying through these perilous times, if we humble ourselves, pray and seek his presence, and turn from our wicked ways, he will forgive us. And when he forgives us of our sins, he makes us right for the journey. So not only is God with us, not only will he get us right, my third and final point is that God promises that he will restore us. That word restore means to give back or to return something that was lost or taken, uh, to bring something back into existence to an earlier or original condition by repairing it. We as individuals need restoration. 
Our families need restoration. Our marriages and even these United States of America needs to be restored. Listen, church, I don't know why we get all bent out of shape when number 45 says he's the one that's going to make America great again. We don't have to worry about him making America great again because his track record proves to us that he's not a man of his word. But we serve a God today, a promise-keeping God, a God who never fails, and a God who loves us so much that he made us in his image. During these perilous times, we have to remember who we are and whose we are. God created this world and everything in it. If you live in it, God says, I own it. Your name may be on the checkbook, but God says, I own that too. You may ride in it, but God is saying, I own that. You may have started your business, God saying, I own that too. And you may have cheated your way into the presidency of these United States, but God owns this country. So can somebody give Donald Trump a message for me? Tell him to keep his unethical, self-centered, egotistical, lying and broken promises to himself because my God got this and my God got me and we will be restored. We as a people will be restored. We as a country will be restored. Somebody yell out restoration tonight. So since this is prophetic preaching, for perilous times. Let me say this pathetically. Things won't always be like this. The law will perfect things that concerns us. Sooner or later, this thing gonna turn around. It's gonna turn around for all of us. But let me tell you a little good news. It turned around over 2,000 years ago when God gave us his son and his son gave us his life. But you know when you borrow something, you gotta give it back. Thank God that Joseph of Arimathea had a tomb that he can borrow, but he wouldn't need it for too long. Because my Bible tells me that early one Sunday morning, my God got up with all power in his hand. That's why I don't put my hope in people or, or this political system that we, that we dealing with right now. I put my hope in God because God is my all and my all. God has done so much for us. We just can't tell it all of everything that God has, has done for us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is seeking sin. Listen, Jesus did his work too. Let me prove it to you. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins for all ray. Rising, he's justified and freed me forever. One day, church, he's coming back. What a glorious day that would be. What a glorious day that would be. Wait, wait. Church, we have some work to do. October 12th, we have an opportunity to do our work. This political system, we have problems. And on October 12th, right now, get prepared to do your work. Be blessed on today, my brothers and my sisters. Oh, what a word, what a word. We've been truly blessed tonight. Minister Hall and Minister Johnson have preached an uncompromising gospel. And if you're here tonight, the preachers are coming down. 
and you have not made Jesus your choice, this moment is just for you. Jesus, he's waiting on you. He can fix it. All that you've been trying to fix and it haven't gotten fixed yet. There's a man named Jesus. And he care. I mean, he really care. He, he's not a in your face type of friend, but he, 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 he's the kind of friend that's all around and all the time. If I had not given myself to him, I don't know where I would be. Oh, yeah. Come to thee. Oh, Lamb. Let's all say amen. amen. Young man is five years old. He came forward saying he wanted us to pray for him. So we were grateful for the opportunity to pray for him. We thank God for this worship experience. We thank God for these preachers. We thank God for them allowing God to use them in the way in which he did. And uh, we ask that you will continue to pray with them and pray for them, that the Lord might use them as he sees fit. Grateful for your presence. Uh, three Wednesdays out of four, it has rained. And it hadn't just rained a little bit. It's rained a lot. And yet you have been faithful and you have been consistent in your coming to share and show your support for these preachers, as we said on last week, can't nobody teach you how to preach. And the only way you learn how to preach is to preach. 
And there has to be something in you for God to bring it out of you. And so we are happy that we have had this opportunity to allow these ministers of the gospel to exercise the gift that God has placed within them. We're going to do this again very, very soon because there are more preachers. Shiloh has 20, 25 preachers uh, in its associate minister staff. So certainly we have not had the opportunity to exhaust everyone. We want to give others the opportunity as well. So you can look for this kind of Wednesday experience uh, again in the very near future. May we stand together, please. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me, singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Now I'm in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Rest, rule, and abide with us now, henceforth, and forevermore. Amen. Come by and shake these preachers' hand before you go tonight.